Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my asses. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. On Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And this is episode 107. This is pretty much a Halloween edition. It's Halloween week. And this week's guest is perfect for the week of Halloween. Spencer Charnas, vocalist of the Boston-based metalcore band Ice Nine Kills. The band has just released their fifth studio album, The Silver Scream, via Fearless Records. A concept album of horror movie-inspired madness with each song a tribute to a different iconic cinema classic. During our interview, we talked about Charnas's love of horror movies and the concepts behind the songs on The Silver Scream, his favorite horror movies, the progression of the band, and much more. Before we get into the interview, I definitely want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshesthepodcast.com and share any links that you see on the website on any of your social media. I also want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And you can subscribe to Fresh is the Word anywhere, pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, 
Podbean and Radio Public. Pretty much anywhere that you can subscribe to podcast, fresh the word is there. Just type it in, we'll probably be there. And if you could give a rating and review, that'd be great, especially on the Apple Podcast. That would help out immensely. And if you want to tweet along, Facebook along, Instagram along, whatever, post about the any of the episodes that you listen to, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh and at Facebook at Facebook.com slash KFresh. And you can follow Fresh of the Word online on Twitter at FITW Podcast and Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh of the Podcast. All right, let's get into the interview with Spencer Charnas, vocalist of the metalcore band Ice Nine Kills. What was sort of, you know, the idea going into this new album, The Silver Scream, and what do you want to do with it? Well, for me, I've always been just immersed in the horror films and the horror genre and the horror culture ever since I was a little kid. So it's always sort of permeated through whatever we've done in some respect, whether it was a lyric here and there or a song title or one of the concepts of our videos or our merchandise. But until now, we've obviously never done anything this uh, this full force, full throttle and throttle into the genre. So I thought it was the right time, man. We, uh, we really developed a legion of ice nine kills fans that are really obsessed with horror films. And the last album's concept being about literature was sort of our, our first dabbling in what you would call a concept record, even though it's not necessarily a traditional concept record, but a record that has a clearly defined theme. And, this was the next logical step, and for me, it just made made everything that much more fun. You know, I was writing about something that I'm so passionate about, and I thought, you know, what a cool thing we could do is take this one medium of film and really using the Ice Nine Kill style that we've developed, translate that into another medium of music. And uh, it, it was, you know, they say that, if you're working about something, working with something you love, you never work a day in your life, and, and that's really how I feel about, uh, felt about the process. As a kid, what was the first thing that sort of got your attention that was sort of horror related? Well, in my hometown, the the grocery store that used to exist, that I used to go with my mom to, you know, anytime she was going shopping, was uh, I think it was a. I want to say it was called Stop and Shop um, or Super uh, Star Market, maybe. And that grocery store had a video store within it. So whenever I would go with my mom, when she would do her shopping, that's where I would kill time. I would go to the video store and pick out videos. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to that aisle that said horror. There was something like a little bit forbidden about it. And <laughs> when I would walk through that aisle, I would just be completely enamored with the art on the cover of these VHS tapes that said Halloween and Friday the 13th part five and nightmare on Elm street and creep show and all these really, really sick and twisted film franchises. And I wanted to know what this stuff was about. I don't know why I was drawn to it, but I just was. And my parents uh, were cool enough to let me watch those films. Probably thinking that I'd grow out of it, but you know, here I am. <laughs> 25 years, 
25 years later talking on the phone with you about an album based on these movies. So clearly <laughs> I, I didn't grow out of it. Right. <laughs> what, was, what was the first uh, movie that you absolutely loved? I think the first horror movie that I ever saw was the original Halloween. And I must have been, I don't know, eight or nine, seven, eight or nine. And uh, that film just, it, that started my love of the genre. And from there, I saw everything that you could get, you know, I could get my hands on. Um, and then I remember the first horror film I ever saw in the theater because I, I had never seen any of the films in the theater. You know, they had all come out basically in the 80s or early 90s, or, or I was too young to see them in the theater um, because my parents didn't want to look like psychopaths bringing their, <laughs> you know, right. 10-year-old kid to go see Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Um <laughs> But I, I saw Scream in the theater in 1996 when I was 11. And, and still, to this day, I can't find anyone who's my age. You know, everyone's seen Scream, but I can't find anyone who's my age that actually saw it in the theater. That's how cool my parents were. Right. And I was already a big fan of the genre. But what, that, that movie, uh, you know, being in the theater watching that opening scene, I can remember, like, exactly how I felt when I saw it. And it was so amazing to see a horror film where the characters were referencing Michael and Jason and Freddie. And I was like, this is going to be my favorite goddamn film of all time. I knew it right there. And not only was it such a cool thing for genre fans because it was referencing these other films, but it was really scary. You know, I mean, it was, the Scream has an element of comedy, but seeing that film, at least for me when I was 11 years old, it was just terrifying that first scene so uh that that's one of my all-time favorites when did you first get into doing music when did i first get into doing music i definitely started playing guitar after i got into nirvana when i was you know this is probably 1994 ish so i was like nine uh, nine, eight, eight or nine years old. And from there, I just, you know, it became an obsession. Uh, and I was playing and listening to bands that were far beyond my time. You know, like I remember, I think the first band that I ever had, we were like literally 10 or 11 and we were performing at our school's talent show and we were playing Nirvana and <laughs> Silver Chair and Alice in Chains. So I was into it real early. Like the the band Ice Nine Kills has been around. It looks like since about uh, 2002, correct? Uh, yeah, I started in high school um, around that time, maybe even 2001. And we were originally uh, very much like a pop punk ska band, um, you know, playing like you know Goldfinger and Real Big Fish and listening to influence music. Um, and yeah, I never I never started a different band. I mean, I'm the only. I'm the only member from that original time period. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Like when you think about those early years and how like the band has progressed throughout the years, like what sticks out on your, in your mind about just sort of like these like different incarnations of the band? I think that, you know, I, I think a lot of bands give up, you know, if, if they don't necessarily quote unquote make it, uh, really fast off the bat. And to me, I've always sort of just enjoyed the journey and never been too, uh, 
too worried about, oh, you know, we're not going to make it or anything. And I think that, you know, maybe for a while in the beginning I thought that way, but as soon as I stopped thinking about that kind of stuff and just played what I loved, and that's when we started to see success. What happened to uh, to make you stop thinking about that and just start enjoying yourself making and playing this music? I think, you know, I got a lot of advice from people over the years. You know, don't wish your life away. Don't, you know, don't, you know, enjoy the process because I think that if you, if you make it right off the bat, if you, you don't have to struggle um, and you get everything sort of handed to you, you don't really appreciate when you get it. And uh, I think that that sort of mentality uh, stuck with me. And uh, eventually I I was able to adapt that mentality for myself. What, like being, uh, you know, the only original member of this band, you know, what sort of obstacles have you uh, had to, you know, get past throughout this whole journey of being a part of Ice Nine Kills? The entertainment industry in general is a very, very competitive landscape. And um, I think it sort of relates back to the previous question that, you know, you have to, if you really want to do this, if you really want to make it, if you really want to make this your career, you have to be patient and you have to work harder than anyone else around you, you know, and um, you can't count on being lucky like a lot of uh, a lot of bands get sort of lucky right off the bat and uh, you know we, we had to struggle and repair our duties and um, yeah I mean, th- that's what you have to do and uh, I think that you know we we really buckled down and, and worked our asses off for years and years and, and now we get to uh, uh, appreciate uh, you know where we are and the fact that we have a, a legion of of uh, diehard fans that, that support us every step of the way. During this whole journey, has there been anybody that you sort of looked up to who's been able to give you guidance about how to keep on going in that, you know, really turbulent times of the the music industry, how ruthless it can be? Well, I think our, our manager, Mike Mallory, who's been with us for a number of years, who believed in us when no one else would and really took us under his wing. I I think he's been a real guiding force in in that respect. Did you, did you ever have like sort of like that Holy shit moment where something happened, an event, somebody that you met where you felt like, Hey, this music thing could be something that I could do for a long time. Yeah. For me, I, I go back to this story all the time. Uh, I was a big Goldfinger fan and still am. Uh, but, you know, back in high school, I think it was my freshman year. Yeah, it must have been like literally 2000. Um, I went to see Goldfinger perform in Massachusetts at this venue called the Palladium in Worcester. And I had never seen them before. And there was something about the energy of that show. Uh, you know, the first song, the first chord that the band played, you know, the singer John Feldman jumped into the crowd and was crowd surfing as he was singing. And I was just like blown away by the performance and uh, got on, ended up getting on stage with them and singing a part of the song. And I started the band that night pretty much. I actually have the date of that 
um, concert tattooed on me. Oh, nice, nice. Kind of getting back to uh, some of the recent work of Ice Nine Kills, when you have like sort of these albums, like the last album where you had sort of a literary theme and then you had the new album that has all these sort of uh, horror themes, how does that translate into your live show? You know, how do you, you know, bring that energy out to your crowd? I think I just try to, you know, our our music, especially the the last two albums, the the previous one, Every Trick in the Book, and uh, this new one, Silver Scream, they're both so character-driven. And, you know, I try to really put the different characters into the vocal performances on the record. So, and, and, and by sort of trying to lose myself in that character when I was recording it, uh, much like, you know, I guess a method, you call method actor uh, in film, they do that kind of stuff. So that's what I kind of try to do on stage. I just try to lose myself in the stories and uh, and try to get into the uh, the shoes of each of those characters and, and, and try to become uh, become them on stage. How did you go about sort of making sure that all these characters that you kind of losing yourself into that you're, you know, doing an honest portrayal of what, you know, where they came from? Well, I think a, a lot of it, you know, um, when you think of Michael Myers or, 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 or Freddy Krueger, you don't think of them as singing. So it was definitely a, 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 pro, a um, process to try to figure out, hey, if these people were in a band, what would they sound like? <laughs> and I think that, that was definitely a difficult process, but uh, I tried to basically give my most accurate, um, you know, I tried to be as authentic as possible as to what I would think if, if these characters were singing, they, they would, they would sound like. Who was... I tried to really look into the, the, um, you know, the psychoanalysis of why they are who they are and uh, what kind of thoughts they would have. And obviously for someone like Freddie, that's a little bit easier because Freddie, um, you know, he speaks and he has a, <laughs> a very sort of vibrant personality where, you know, whereas Jason and Michael are, are silent, but there's so much in their backstory and so much uh, um, sort of to work with there and in what they do and how they behave um, that I, I, you know, I had to sort of, uh, sort of cross the, um, you know, kind of put put the puzzle together uh, <laughs> the best way I could with that information. Who is the funnest character to try to dig into, and who is the hardest character? Who I think you know, I think that might be the same character, <laughs> uh, Pennywise the clown, just because it's uh, it's such a off the wall character, whereas it's. Um, it's kind of really the only character on the album that, um, as far as the murderers go, that has a a side to him that is like playful and like joyous, but there's that darkness and evil just under the surface, just around the corner waiting to, to eat you. You know what I mean? So it's like going back and forth between having to sing and then try to sound like uh, someone that would be able to uh, entice a child to, to come over and 
join him in his circus beneath uh, beneath the city, um, and then go rapid fire from that to basically the devil. You know, so that was really fun and challenging at the same time. Are you? Um, how many videos are you planning to uh, do for this album? Uh, well, if I had my way, I'd do one for every song. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But um, we've released two, and we've got two on the way. And, uh, you, know, you know, depending on how uh, successful the reaction is to the album and to uh, the film uh, counterpart of it, uh, we'll see. I, I, hope, I hope many more. What you know? What went into uh, the the first two videos that you did? Uh, which um, songs were those again? The first two uh, installments were the American Nightmare, uh, based on Nightmare on Elm Street, and Thank God It's Friday, inspired by the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. What went into uh, making those videos? Basically, uh, I had this idea to, to develop an overarching narrative that would weave in and out of the music videos and got together with uh, the production company we've, we've worked with for a long time called Little Sky Production and uh, got with their guy, Daniel Orhan, brought him the concept, and then he kind of ran with it. He's really good at writing dialogue, he's a great director, and he's got a great crew behind him. And uh, they were long, grueling shoots. Uh, the last uh, ones we just finished up were just, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, not even, maybe even just like 10 days ago. And they were, you know, four days straight of work until like about 5 a.m. Um, really, really long, late shoots and uh, a lot of uh, grueling work put into them. But it was fun, you know, I mean, it's like, it's for me, it's like sort of a kid in a candy store in the sense that I love these films. I love them since I was a kid. And in a way I get to sort of make my own version of them and, and not only get to sing about them and, and write an album about them, but, but get to be in sort of our own little film uh, world, uh, you know, involving these movies, you know, would you ever want to be in your own actual horror flick? I would love it. And, and in, in, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, I'm in uh, the videos, and I'm also the, the star of the, the narrative that we're sort of weaving in and out of them. So uh, I love, uh, I've always loved film, and uh, I've never really acted before. So I'm still kind of trying to figure out how to do that. It's really difficult. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to pursue that. What what would be sort of like your dream role if you were ever in a horror flick, something that maybe already exists, or to work with a, a horror actor or director? What would that dream gig be? Oh man, I think that, you know, uh, you know, I love Wes Craven. I love John Carpenter. Any of those guys. Unfortunately, Wes Craven's passed away, so that would be possible, but. Um, you know, we're getting to work with like, you know, some of the new hot shots of the genre, like Rob Zombie or Eli Roth or um, Adam Green and uh, and get to, to, to be in one of those movies and, uh, you know, just get involved as much as possible in this, this horror culture. Have you ever met anybody famous from like the horror movie culture? 
yeah, I've, uh, I, I like to go to those conventions um, that they have once in a while in various different states where, you know, the horror actors get together with the directors and writers. And I met some really cool people over the years, everyone from Wes Craven to George Romero to um, Kane Hodder to Robert England. And uh, recently, uh, Jason Lively uh, and uh, Ricky Dean Logan uh, from uh, some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Night of the Creeps. Is there anything you know else special that you might be doing uh, surrounding this album, The Silver Scream? Uh, that might be you know whether it's merchandise or things at your show or other promotions. Is there anything else you're going to be uh, kind of doing special for this album? Yeah, well, we have a ton of really cool events coming up in October that um, that will celebrate the release. Everything from a CD, an, an album listening party at the Michael Myers house in Pasadena, California, oh. to uh, a private party at the house from the original Scream uh, that we're doing. We're going to be performing in the garage where Rose McGowan got killed in the original. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just doing a ton of stuff. We're, we have our own uh, screening of the Silver Scream at the Salem Horror Fest in Salem, Massachusetts, with a uh, Q&A panel with the cast and crew. We're doing a ton of cool stuff, and uh, all the details of that can be found uh, on our social media and, and website. And I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah, you mentioned earlier how, like, the your fan base that you've been able to uh, to build over all these years was very helpful in building sort of what you've been able to do on these past two albums, you know, how, you know, what are the fans saying about, you know, these past two albums? And then, you know, how does sort of the things that you want to be doing and have done on this new album sort of been, you know, uh, received by your fans? You know, we always had a very, very loyal fan base. Uh, you know, the kind of fans when we weren't on a record label that would, you know, gather behind us on Kickstarter campaigns and, you know, we raise, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars to to put out our next app. So we've always had that really diehard uh, cult element to what we we've uh, done over the years. But since uh, since the last album, Every Trick in the Book, and, and, and with the lead-up of this album, we've seen our fan base get even more fanatical about what we're doing. And I think it, it, it just, it, it's been exacerbated by the concepts that we've chose for these albums, because literature with the last album and film with this album, they really attract a certain kind of uh, fanatical uh, person that wants to know everything about the album about the lyrics, about the, the <laughs> books, and about the films we've chosen, and about uh, future songs and, 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 and merchandise items and, and limited edition vinyl. So the the hype, I think, is at an absolute all-time high now. Uh, you know, just seeing uh, Reddit forums and uh, tweets and Instagram comments and Facebook comments, all, you know, trying to guess what, these songs are about, like which movies we've chosen, because we haven't explicitly said for which movies based on. I think that uh, it just seems to, to grow and grow, and it's like we're creating our own sort of thing here, where it's like, you know, I hope we do, I hope we can do like Ice Nine Kills conventions, like they do horror conventions, and, and, and really, uh, you know, 
please the fans because I, I think part of the reason, part of the reason I know what um, they want is because I'm a fan myself of this kind of stuff, and I know what I'd like to see and hear. If anybody was listening to this podcast, and even if they, you know, even knew who Ice Nine Kills what what were, you know, it doesn't matter what they no. do. What would what would be something like a nugget of knowledge about your career that they could take out of this interview and apply it to their own life in regards to you know what they should do, no matter what art form that they do that, that they do. I think too. Our band is really uh, an example of something, uh, an entity that didn't give up pursuing what we were interested in. And I think that a lot of bands that started when we started, I, I think most of them have, uh, have probably broken up if they didn't reach some sort of success. And, and we were never uh, consumed by that, and I think that's why we uh, are starting to see uh, more attention. And uh, and also we stayed true to who we were uh, and who we've always been and didn't try to cater to what everyone else is doing. And I, I think that there are a lot of artists out there that uh, say, hey, how do, how do we do this? Like, what are the bands that are succeeding and what are they doing with their music? Like, how can we imitate that? And I think that that's a recipe for disaster. At the very least, it's a, a, a recipe. At the very best, I'm sorry. It's a recipe for maybe having a, a stall that people like and then fading away. But I think that the, the artists, much like the films we're covering, that do stand the test of time, are ones that try to do something a little bit different and and try to go down um, a different path than everyone else is choosing. Right. And I think that, that that kind of mentality is um, is the recipe for success. And it might take days, months, or years, but uh, I think that if you apply that sort of mentality to what you're doing, uh, you're going to be a lot uh, better off in the long run. Great. Yeah, I always like to uh, end all my interviews for this podcast with the same question. And that question is, who has been somebody that's been a part of your career that I could realistically interview and they would have some good stories or lessons to talk about? I think probably uh, Mike Mallory uh, would be a great person to interview. He always loves doing uh, stuff like that. He, he does mentoring online for uh, upcoming bands. He hosts uh, a podcast called Managemental. And I think you'd be a great person to talk to about that stuff. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Where can uh, people go online to get more information about Ice Nine Kills and the new album? The best place to do it is ice9kills.com. That's uh, the whole number spelled out. So it's I-C-E-N-I-N-E-K-I-L-L-S.com. Also our Twitter, which is the same, uh, Ice Nine Kills. And our Instagram is the only different one where the nine is the number. So it's I-C-E and the number nine, K-I-L-L-S. All right, man. It's been great talking with you, man. Good luck with everything. Good luck with the new album. Thanks so much, man. I enjoyed it. So that was my interview with Spencer Charnas, vocalist of the Boston-based metalcore band Ice Nine Kills. Go ahead and support them and pick up that new album, The Silver Scream.
links to where you can listen to Silver Scream and follow Ice Nine Kills will be in the show notes for this podcast episode at freshofthepodcast.com. So let's get to the fresh of the word, fresh pick of the week. This episode's pick is the Still Breathing EP from the band Fight the Fury. It's the new metal project from Skillet frontman and bassist John Cooper, along with Skillet guitarist Seth Morrison, along with the drummer Jared Ward and guitarist John Panzer III. It's definitely a cool little five-song EP, so check it out. Links also will be in the show notes for this podcast at freshofthepodcast.com, where you can order it, listening to it, and you can connect online with Fight the Fury. So that's another interview, another episode, another great podcast of information in the books. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.